As we sell e-commerce products to build an e-commerce business, one of the most daunting tasks that we have is acquiring customers, organizing them, and then somehow retargeting them and using that data that we have. Today's episode, we have a guy whose expertise is organizing that data, acquiring that data, analyzing that data, and then retargeting and remarketing to those potential clients. It's going to be a really great episode. It's fairly tech heavy, but kind of dummy down a little bit to make it a little bit more, uh, let's say, digestible and easy for us to understand, consume, and actually take action on. Make sure to listen all the way to the end. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM podcast, where we talk about entrepreneurism typically from the eyes of an e commerce seller. One thing that I've noticed over the last several years of selling e commerce products is that the community is made up of a lot of side hustlers, solopreneurs, a lot of us that are just trying to figure this out, right? We don't come with MBAs and we don't come with these great um, technical capabilities. Like a lot of times we've landed into this and we may be successful, but we're trying to play catch up with some of the more typical business strengths and tools and resources that maybe more traditional businesses already aware of. One of those things is technology. And I'll be honest with you, technology terrifies me. Whenever somebody on a team meeting brings up a new tool or a new resource or a new organizational uh, system, it frankly freaks me out because trying to learn these things and trying to understand them has been tough for me. Uh, I have stared at the Salesforce CRM screen for millions of hours, it seems like, and I still don't know how to use it. Like it's daunting, it's terrible. But I also know this, to scale, to be successful, to build a business that we can kind of step out of the operations day to day and not have to be so involved with that we're going absolutely insane with anxiety and lack of sleep. We have to be able to utilize technology. We have to be able to leverage some of these resources. So we have to understand it. We have to just wrap our brains and our hands around these things and uh, and kind of wrangle them. One of the most important things also about e-commerce is marketing, right? Especially if we're not selling in a marketplace, if we're selling direct to consumer, if we're selling our own platform like a Shopify site or through social media, we have to be able to leverage the, um, I guess, the technology, the tools, the resources, the automations that are out there to create very successful and highly profitable marketing uh, operations. So today's guest, Dan McGaw, is a specialist in utilizing and implementing technology to build, especially uh, what we're going to be talking about today marketing automations and things like that, that will help you scale your business without absolutely going insane. So welcome to the episode, Dan. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So can you give us just the brief intro? Like, how did you land in this position? I know that you've got uh, some some resources, some tools. You just wrote a book that we'll talk about in a little while. But how did you land as the technology automation marketing implementation guy? 
Yeah, really, really good question. You know, honestly, it's been uh, 20-something years in the making. Uh, I've always been super, super interested in tech. Uh, I grew up with a mom who was a computer science major and things like that. So I started out on a computer when I was basically four and five years old. Um, So it was always super fascinated by tech. So I taught myself MS-DOS when I was about five and six. um, So I can just play games on the computer. But if you fast forwarded to when I was basically 13, around 1998, I actually started uh, an online business as a booking agent. So I started being a booking agent for like EDM artists um, and I really got big into the marketing. Like how do we market these artists? How do we get them pushed out there? And back in 98, there really was no tech that really helped us with it. So you kind of had to do it all on your own. Um, And, you know, that was kind of my foray into this. Fast forward roughly 20 years after that, um, I was the head of marketing at Kissmetrics, one of the pioneers in marketing analytics. Uh, And when I left that company, I started my consulting company, Maga.io, and our specialty is building tech stacks for uh, different brands to be able to help them grow their businesses. So, you know, it's it's 20 something years in the making, um, but it's been a fascinating ride to get here, to say the least. That's awesome. And when we were talking prior to hitting the record button and we were discussing exactly what we were going to go through today, we came up with the concept of uh, technology for dummies, right? Um, not saying that our listeners are dummies, but maybe I'm a dummy. So let's let's build this uh, this kind of episode for me. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some of these easy to grasp um easy to, or fairly easy to implement things that we should focus on when it comes to technology and marketing to build our e-commerce brands. So we got some bullet points here that, that I wrote down that we're going to go through. And the first one is talking about a marketing automation hub. Okay. And that sounds a little bit confusing for a lot of people, but let's start off with just what is marketing automation? Let's kind of describe that, define that, talk about why that's important for e-commerce business. And then let's actually break that into how do we choose the correct resource uh, to actually pull that off. A marketing automation tool is going to be really, really important to your business. So when you think of different platforms, whether they're HubSpot, ActiveCampaign, um, even MailChimp is able to provide you really, really good marketing automation. At the end of the day, a marketing automation tool is where you're going to send most of your customer data, if not all of it. And then it's going to enable you to reuse that customer data to send, whether it's email, text messages, push notifications, in some cases, even direct mail or on-site pop-ups. But it enables you to collect customer data and then enables you to run automations with that customer data to ultimately deliver revenue for your business. And there's huge players out there, but there's also a lot of players people don't know about which I think are really important. Some of my personal favorites, I've already mentioned active campaign and things like that, but Autopilot is by far my favorite marketing automation tool out there, especially for e-commerce. Some people are familiar with platforms like Klaviyo or even Customer.io. There's a bunch of different platforms out there. Uh, The big thing is is you just have to choose the tool that your team is going to be able to effectively use. And there's about 300 options. So it can be very, very overwhelming. Um, But if you kind of distill it down, look at what your competitors are using, look what other people in the marketplace are using, just choose something easy to get started with because you've got to start getting yourself out of being the middleman of doing the labor and work and having your marketing automation tool do the marketing automation for you. And we're going to talk a little about how to gain that audience here in a few minutes. But just to recap what a, a, a hub essentially is, is it is the vault of your client information. And what I've noticed in e-commerce is a lot of us, a lot of us sellers, a lot of us businesses, we're not focusing on acquiring that customer data or retaining that customer data, not because we don't know that it's important, but because we don't know what the heck to do with it. So the simplest form, like you said, is, uh, or, or of what you said to me, the simplest one is MailChimp, right? 
We get email addresses, we stick them in there, yeah. but we don't necessarily know what to do with them. What other resources are there specifically to like smaller e-commerce brands or startup e-commerce brands that people are forgetting about? Like when it comes to hubs or when it comes to these marketing automation tools, like what should we be focusing on learning because they do have a big impact? Yeah, you know, I, the, the easiest place to start when you're trying to build out any of these marketing automation tools and what you need to learn is one, you need to be able to capture data about your customers, but then send them email automation to kind of push them through that journey. So, you know, naturally, most people think of like when they think of email automation for e-commerce or anything of the likes, right, you're thinking of cart abandonment, you're thinking of product suggestions, you're thinking of ways to be able to tailor that experience. But the, the biggest thing you have to focus on is how are you going to segment your customers? Um, not everybody is going to be interested in everything that you offer. And most people are only interested in a small sliver of what you're actually doing. So you really have to start out by building that segmentation uh, of how what customers are interested in what products or are from different areas. And, you know, easy segmentation on that, of course, is like male versus female, right? There's really, really simple segmentation that you're going to do uh, male versus female. You can also do different states, things like that. So but segmentation is the first step that you have to focus on whenever using any of these automation tools. And, you know, MailChimp, congratulations them. They were just acquired for $12 billion uh, the other day, which is super, super fascinating. Um, but other platforms, you know, MailChimp is not maybe the best for marketing automation. They're probably the best for like newsletters. They do have a marketing automation component. Um, but like I had mentioned, Autopilot, which is super, super fascinating. Autopilot's really powerful because it actually has artificial intelligence built into it. So it will help you build your emails. It will help you come up with content suggestions for what you need to do. It will help predict what products you need to sell your customers for. So while you're trying to capture this segmentation data, if you're using the right tool, the tool will actually do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. And these are tools that everybody can afford, uh, which is going to be really, really important because you're no longer priced out of the market like you used to be when Amazon was the only person who can afford this great tech. Now anybody can afford it. And that makes a big difference for us, right? Because a lot of us are bootstrapped or, you know, we can't spend $20,000 just to onboard a sales force, you know, CRM for our small business. So I totally get that. I love the suggestions for some of these hubs and some of these I've never had exposure to. I've never seen those. So I'm definitely going to check those out. I've made notes here. But the next question that comes to mind is how do we get this data? right? If we're going to set up marketing automation, which we know is important, if we're going to set up uh, some sort of marketing campaigns to these people that are uh, potential clients of ours or existing clients of ours, we have to get their information. And you used a term that I had never heard before. I've heard of third-party data, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, but you used the term zero-party data. Explain what zero-party data yeah. is, and then let's talk about how to acquire it. Yeah. And right now there's there's three types of data that you typically collect. You have zero-party data, first-party data, and third-party data. One of these days, somebody will call it second-party data, but I haven't seen that yet. But zero-party data is the information that our customers give us about them. So as an example, somebody signs up to your newsletter, they're giving you their email. Well, that's zero-party data. But when we ask better questions, so as an example, we ask information about their name, their gender, their age, things like that. That's considered zero-party data because that's information that the customer is giving you, knowingly giving you as well, and then allowing you to use that for further segmentation. And that is your most valuable data, is the data you can collect from your customers. So Zero party data you see a lot being collected when you're doing, of course, any form on your website um, and as well as whenever you're doing progressive profiling. Um, progressive profiling is a super, super uh, fancy term to just mean I ask a bunch of questions over a long period of time to build a customer profile. Uh, but there's a lot of tools out there that will help you collect that data. Going back to the marketing automation tools, as an example, HubSpot, very, very famous marketing automation tool. 
They have all their forms built in. They have pop-ups built into their, their tool. You can leverage all those. They continuously ask questions to collect more information. So if you think about your business, what are the facts and details that you should collect about your customers in a non-creepy way so that way you can provide them a better experience? And you have to be asking these questions in a manner to be providing them a better experience or to be serving them. If you ask the questions and trying to collect more zero-party data and you're doing it to serve yourself, the customer is going to sniff that out and they're not going to give you more data. So you have to be asking these questions to basically say, hey, we want to make sure that we have a better experience for you. To do that, what we'd love to know is what are your biggest interests, right? And things like that. And list out five interests that they may have, uh, whether that be fashion, whether that be pop culture, whatever is rela relative to your business. When they give you that information, that's going to be considered zero party data. Okay. So then what is first party data? Yeah, good, good follow-up question. So first-party data is going to be the data we capture about our customers as they just use our websites. So let's say that somebody comes to your website and they click on, let's say you're an e-commerce company that sells skirts and purses. Well, when somebody visits my website and clicks on purses, I can track that using Google Tag Manager, my marketing automation tool, and my analytics tool, and then save that data about that customer to say, hey, customer has an interest in purses. That is going to be first-party data. When we are tracking them, not necessarily with their privilege not exact, or permission, not exactly uh, informing them, but just as they naturally use our site, our mobile app, whatever it may be, that's going to be the first-party data that we're collecting is basically the behavior data or person, out, or person data that we collect all on our own just from them using our products or site. Now, third-party data, I, I assume that's going to be where you go next. So I'll answer that question too. Uh, Third-party data is going to be the data that we actually go and buy about that customer or we collect about that customer from another company. So a really, really confusing one is, as an example, Facebook. You can't exactly buy data from Facebook, right? Facebook doesn't sell its data. However, you are leveraging their third-party segmentation data to send out your ads. So you are leveraging that third-party data to do stuff. And if you're really, really sneaky and you're really good at what you do, you can use that third-party data that they're giving you from their ads and then ultimately save that website or information back to your site using things like UTM codes. But most commonly, right, when you think of third-party data, you're thinking of enrichment data. So there's companies out there like a company called Full Contact. Full Contact is a company where I can give them an email and they'll give me back a Facebook profile, a Twitter profile, where the person lives, do they have kids, and it will literally give me the data um, in, a, in a CSV file or directly integrated in with one of my tools. And I can enrich that data without the customer's permission. Now, this is something in the United States where it's the wild, wild west with data uh, that you can do all day long. And some popular providers there would be companies like Full Contact, which are really, really good for the B2C space, Tower Data. But you have to remember companies like Experian, the credit bureau, they track every single transaction that goes through a credit card in many cases. And then they buy the data from the bank. Experian then resells that data to many companies. So all you have to do is give them an email address. And as an example, my, my wife, Meredith at Maga.io, given the email address, they were able to send back, she's into sports, she's affluent, she drives a large SUV, she has multiple children, her children play soccer, her children play baseball. All of that data was just able to be acquired for pennies on the dollar uh, and enriched back into our, our tools. And that's what third-party data is usually going to uh, be, is whether it's leveraging Facebook for their third-party data or whether you're enriching your data uh, using a third-party. That's where the third-party data comes from. And first-party data, if I had to guess, is one of the hardest to actually reuse because we don't have contact information. So we know that user X, so to speak, landed on our page. They're interested in purses that are red. But we don't actually know. I mean, there are ways to tag them with cookies and things like that. But generally speaking, we don't have a name and a, and a, and a contact 
you know, to actually reach back out to them and show them red purses. So let's jump back yeah. to zero party data. I feel like this is extremely valuable. And a lot of times we miss an opportunity to gather this. So on an e-commerce website, what are some of the best ways or social media or however, um, what are the best ways to acquire this and then segment and target through zero party data? Yeah, really, really good question. You know, I hate to say it, but the, the number one winner here is pop-ups. Uh, you know, uh, we worked with uh, we work with multiple very, very large e-commerce companies uh, at our consulting company. And, you know, um, even though we all hate it when we come to that e-commerce site and all of a sudden, before we even read the homepage, we get hit with a pop-up, save 10% off, save 25% off. Those things crush it. Like, even though they're annoying as hell and 75%, 85% of users just exited out, that 5 to 10% that give you their email right there, now you have zero-party data that you can attach your first-party data to, and you can really build some wild segmentation off it. So pop-ups are really, really big, of course, with e-commerce. That being said, usually when somebody lands on your website, you can have an immediate pop-up giving them a promo code, giving them a discount. That's usually a really, really stereotypical one that you would see. If that user, though, rejects that pop-up, you need to make sure that on their first product listing page, there's a nicer, smaller pop-up that kind of comes up with the same offer uh, to ultimately collect their email. Your number one goal is to get a user to identify themselves when they come to the website. You need to create an owned channel. So as an example, you now own that, that email and you can now market it to them. So you need to make sure that you very, very quickly try to capture some sort of contact information, whether that's an email, whether that's a mobile number, um, you need a way to identify and to communicate to that user. So that's always your first priority. Now, secondary to that, right? So let's say that you can capture that email through a pop-up or you come up with some unique way to get their email. The next thing you need to do is you need to collect more information about that person so you can correctly segment them. And I'll use a use case that we did with a company. We work with a large e-commerce company called Forks Over Knives. Forks Over Knives is known because they have a famous documentary on Netflix. It was number one documentary on Netflix for like four years. Super, super popular. They took that main documentary hit, created an e-commerce company, and started selling things on their website like books, cooking courses, things like that. However, Forks Over Knives' specialty is getting people to go from eating meats to becoming vegan. Now, I don't know about you, but I did try to go vegan, and I failed, right? It is not I never easy. even tried. I'm not even going down that route. <laughs> oh, really? That's hysterical. Uh, that's super, super hysterical. Becoming vegan is very, very hard. 95% of the people are going to fail at it. So on their website, the first thing that we have is, hey, download our mobile app, right? And people would give us their email like crazy for that. However, the problem that we had is that every user trying to become vegan is at a different place in their journey, right? So we need to understand, are they vegan? Are they trying to become vegan? Are they just vegan curious? Are they failing at being a vegan? Where are they at in this journey, right? Because we need to send them products which are going to help them become vegan or help them ultimately do stuff. Because at the end of the day, our job is to make money. So once we collect that email, what we would do is we would send them in, uh, a newsletter welcome email, basically saying, welcome to Forks Over Knives. We're so grateful that you would join our newsletter. And we gave them some small facts about us. But we would then also say in that email, hey, to make sure that we can help you with whatever you're trying to do, just let us know where you're at in your journey. And then there was five buttons in the email. The first one saying that I'm just vegan curious. I'm curious in becoming vegan. The next one saying I'm starting to try to become vegan. The next one is I'm vegan and I'm trying to become vegan and failing. The next one would be, hey, I'm vegan and I'm doing pretty good or I'm a vegetarian. And the last one is like, I'm fully vegan. I don't eat any meats. Now, those five buttons are extremely, extremely important because it allows the user to once again, give us more zero party data. It allows us to learn where they at in this shopping experience. And you can do this for any type of business. If you're going back to our fashion example, if you're a company that sells 
sells skirts and dresses and purses, right? You can ask them, what are the products that you're most interested in right now? Purses, shoes, anything, right? You can ask them those questions. And what this is going to enable you to do when they click on one of those buttons, if you have those buttons linked with UTM codes, one, they'll go back to your website. Those UTM codes, of course, will be saved into your website and your analytics so you know what they care about. But in your marketing automation tool, you can also track that information and store it to their customer profile. So moving forward, as you're nurturing them with your marketing automation tool and sending them future emails, you're now sending them emails which are specifically segmented and targeted to where they're at compared to treating like everybody as the same. And when we rolled that out with Forks Over Knives, we basically had five new nurture sequences, which would enable us to sell people the products which would help make them most effective and also products which we knew that they would buy at the highest rate. So if you're vegan and struggling, we knew to sell you our meal planning course, right? Because that's going to help you the most. If you're completely vegan, we would just tell you to buy our grain kits and buy our dressings, right? Because that was going to push you along. However, if you're vegan curious, we would most likely try to get you to buy our mobile app or we would try to get you to buy our cooking course. So it's really, really important to try to understand where somebody is at in their buyer's journey, but also understand what are they interested in. And by collecting their email, you're able to start that, asking them simple questions, like I said in that email, that's really going to push you forward in segmenting your list. And you can do that for any business, from landscaping to um, anything e-commerce, right? You can always find a way to collect better information. You just have to frame it in a way that you're trying to make their experience better, and then you're going to see a real positive outcome. It makes a whole lot of sense. It's daunting thinking about how complex this could be, but it's not necessarily complicated. You know, it's not it's not super difficult. It's just a lot of moving parts. But that's where automation comes in, right? We don't have to reverse engineer and micro-engineer everything. Automation helps take care of that. So let's talk a little about third-party data. I know that third-party data has been kind of a hot topic lately because uh, you know, everything from people getting their email accounts suspended and they can't send stuff because of high spam rate to uh, privacy policies to big tech bills that are, you know, basically going through the government right now. What is the best way right now to acquire third party data, understanding that sometimes we need this as rocket fuel, right? We might not be able to wait to get zero party data or first party data. We need to get data right now to get our business rolling to start marketing. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be places where you can buy data. Going back to, uh, you know, full contact, clear bit, tower data, these companies will sell you data with no problem. Don't get me wrong. In most cases with these companies, you do need to already have an email address or a phone number to get that started. So you do definitely want to do that. You know, there's also people that do list swaps and stuff like that. I've done this a lot in my past where I've worked with one of my partners, um, a company that we offer a similar product but are not competitive. We've actually gone to them and said, hey, listen, like we'll give you uh, 10,000 contacts out of our database if you give us 10,000 contacts in exchange, but we want all their enrichment data. So there are ways to, of course, partner with other companies to do that. You can get in a little bit of trouble in regards to when you're buying lists outright from other companies just because you're going to get a really, really high spam rate. Um, so you do have to be cautious about that. But cool platforms, you know, HubSpot and even MailChimp have some of this built directly into their product. So as an example, with MailChimp, when somebody signs up, it will tell you where they're located. It will tell you little bits of information about them if they can fill that in. Um, but that's going to be some of the easiest way that you can do it. But I will say enriching your data can get pricey pretty quickly. Companies like Full Contact make this accessible for most companies. Same with Tower Data. Um, but at the same time, you still have to pay um, to get this data, right? You're talking 10 cents, 5 cents, even 30 cents per record. Um, so you've got to make sure that you have the budget in mind whenever you're trying to purchase that third-party data. Are there still safe ways to even swap data? 
right? Because if if I swap lists with somebody else, a potential you know partner or someone that has a similar client list, and I do start emailing them, and that spam rate you know reaches a certain level. I've gotten my email account suspended and things like that. Are there best practices to actually pull that off without getting yourselves in trouble? Yeah, really, really good question. So there's two primary things that we recommend there. One, don't email them. Use those email addresses to do Facebook targeting, LinkedIn targeting, Twitter targeting, whatever you want to be. Use those to build your advertising audience. And then once that person does finally come back to your website, you should be able to uh, track that. Try to turn that first party data into something that you have. So of course, um, you can now target them. So one would be to use advertising audiences. The second thing that we highly recommend in regards to setting up all of these um, these emails and things like that, right, is that um, you want to make sure that if you are going to email them, right, and you're going to send them something, put the unsubscribe link at the top of the email. Make it so it's something that's big and easy to click. Um, we've done this a lot. So, you know, I'm in B2B uh, for my business. So I exported out all of my LinkedIn connections from uh, LinkedIn. And I took all of those uh, LinkedIn connections, put them in our marketing automation tool, and then I emailed all those people. However, at the top of the email, I put basically, hey, thanks so much for being on our list. If you don't want to receive any more emails from us, and it was big at the top, just unsubscribe here. The reason why you do that is because the spam button is at the top of their inbox. So if you give them the opportunity to unsubscribe at the top compared to all the way at the bottom, you're less likely to get those spam complaints. So that's going to be really, really important that you make it really, really easy to unsubscribe if you're, you are truly spamming them. Because what we have to remember, right, the, the CAN Spam Act is called the CAN Spam. You are allowed to spam people. You just have to make it really, really easy for them to unsubscribe. Um, so that's a huge important part. You know, there's some hacky things that we definitely have done. I mean, I'm known for being a pretty uh, ruthless emailer. You know, uh, we used to take email lists and you, we used to go sign up to MailChimp really, really quickly. We'd send 2,500 contacts, the emails through MailChimp. We'd get uh, shut off at, uh, we'd get suspended from sending from MailChimp. However, we would just take the emails out that didn't complain about spam. We would then move those over to another service. We would then email them again. You can kind of uh, work through these automation platforms and kind of be a little malicious about it um, and ditch the account. Uh, we've seen many people do this, create an active campaign account, send out a blast, account gets suspended, take out the emails that they can keep, create another active campaign account and email them. Um, you know, you can work around the system. I'm not telling you to do this because this is totally not uh, ethical uh, spamming. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you've, when you've got to make money and you've got nowhere to start, uh, you got to break the rules. I mean, Facebook did not get started because they ethically acquired the email list of all the students of these schools, right? Like they ruthlessly went out and did this. Same thing happened with LinkedIn. And so you've got to remember, um, there's a ton of bad that happens before we know the good. Um, so, you know, do what you got to do sometimes. I mean, uh, it's, it's try to be good about it. That would be the thing that I would say. I love that. There's so many good quotes I can pull from there. And uh, so, so many applications. I love that. So we've talked about gathering data. We've talked about, you know, having a hub in place. How do we actually put that all together by leveraging this data? Can you, can you talk about some examples of leveraging that? Yeah, you know, so after you collect all this data, right, what you're going to want to do is store that in your marketing automation tool and then leverage that. And, you know, it's really, really important to have a good data taxonomy, as we would say. You have to kind of 
do some pre-planning and think about this stuff. If you want to get into the weeds about data taxonomy and how do you use this, you know, I don't have enough time in this podcast to get in deep, but I would go to my website, magal.io, scroll to the bottom of the website and look at our resources. There's a webinar in there called Personalization Without Being Creepy. And I think that's a really, really good one to talk about uh, and learn about because I'm going to give you some examples here. Um, At the end of the day, you need to store this data and you need to store it in a structured way so that way you can use it forward. So as an example, you need to store dates of when things happen so that way you can trigger emails off of things. You need to store interest. You need to store different product categories and things like that. So that's going to be really, really helpful. I'll use an example that we had with a company called Carolina Designs Realty. Now, Carolina Designs Realty is a in the Outer Banks. They're basically a vacation rental uh, service, and they're renting houses for $1,000 a week all the way up to $45,000 a week. But while you think this is a, a vacation rental, this isn't e-commerce, it's 100% e-commerce. Like It's run like an e-commerce business. You come to the site, you view product, you ultimately purchase that product. You then, of course, leave a review about that product. The big thing that we had to do with that company was is we constantly were trying to collect zero-party data, so getting them to give us more information about them. And we were also trying to collect zero-party data about the people they were going to bring on that trip, right? Constantly trying to grow that list and understand um, who else is going to be coming. But as they were using the website, we tracked every single product listing that they went through, and we stored the last five listings in their profile in our marketing automation tool. So you have the ability to also save listings, which is something I highly think most e-commerce companies forget about. You need to have ability for somebody to favorite an item on your website. I don't care if it's a skirt. I don't care if it's shoes. I don't care if it's socks. When they click that favorite button, store that item in their their category or excuse me, in their contact record. Um, You can map these things basically together. So that way you can send follow-up emails to them with these products in those emails. And what we did with Carolina Designs is on every single home listing, which was just like a product listing, there was a little pop-up that came up and it said, do you want to save this for later? Just give us your email address. You'd be amazed the number of people that would save those listings and ultimately give us their email address. What we would do is that when you would actually go through the site, we would track the different cities in the Outer Banks as well that you were interested in. In the Outer Banks, there's Kill Devil Hills, there's Kerala, there's Duck, there's all these different regions. Well, as you visited these different regions, again, we would store that as first-party data on your customer profile using the marketing automation tool. We use Active Campaign, so it was super, super easy. Customer visits this page, save this in their record. Well, what would happen is is the day after we collected their email, the email would be tailored to the last region that they had looked at. So it would then say the top five things you should do in Kerala. So as an example, Outer Banks, there's a place called Kerala. Um, There's wild horses. First thing we showed in that email was a GIF of wild horses running on the beach. And then we would say the top five things that you would need to do. You need to go see the wild horses. You need to ride an ATV. You need to go fishing. And at the bottom of that email as well, we always had the last home that they had saved. So, and it would say, pick up where you left off. And then they could go see the five things they need to do in Kerala, and then also be able to see the last listing that they had. Now, this worked magically. It dramatically increased their reservation rates. It dramatically increased their email list. We we had a 500% increase in their email list in a six-month period just because of that flow. And we had a dramatic increase in the reservations that were there. And all of this happened simply because we had a pop-up that said, save this listing. Somebody typed in their email, we saved that listing, we stored it in a field, and then we used it in a merge variable in the email for personalization. And then we just tracked what was the last region they looked at, and that was the template that they got sent the email from. So there's a lot of really, really cool ways. And while that sounds super complex, honestly, it took us two weeks to build, and we actually used an Upwork developer to help us get the tagging done. Um, This stuff is 
while it seems super, super complicated, if you get it set up correctly, you can make some massive uh, outcomes. And there are people out there that can do this for you. I want to stress that. Like just knowing what resources are available and just knowing what tools are available doesn't mean you have to go and become a proficient expert at setting all this thing up. Just knowing what's out there can help you find someone that can set this up. And, and ROI can definitely be huge. So yeah. we go through all this effort. We put hubs together. We acquire data. We start automations. How do we actually know if it's working? You know, you have to have good analytical tracking, right? You know, a lot of companies are probably familiar with Google Analytics. Everybody has it on their website. The problem with Google Analytics is it doesn't tell you what customer did anything. It's all anonymous data. Yeah, you can get some behavior tracking out of it, but it's really not going to put the rubber to the road when you're trying to know Joe visited this page and this is what Joe did. And I can track that back to their customer profile. There's other platforms out there, as an example, with hot, like Hotjar. Hotjar is a really popular analytics tool, gives you some additional information. But I would highly recommend people check out products like Kissmetrics or Mixpanel or even Amplitude. These products allow you to actually track the customer behavior as they use your website. They also allow you to store who that customer is. So you remember Carolina Designs, that customer gave us their email on that save this listing pop up. Well, when that happens, we're able to store that information in the analytics tool. and We're able to track every single action that customer does moving forward and also track whether they purchased, why they purchased and things like that. And if you're using good UTM tracking, so you have good campaign links with tracking on it, and you send an email, you can immediately know if that customer purchases on your website by knowing what campaign that they came from. So if, if you have good UTM tracking set up and you have good analytics set up, you can really track anything that the customer is doing. But I will say this, you know, I talked about a lot of different marketing automation tools out there. Um, Autopilot, I talked about very, very briefly. Their new product, Autopilot 2, um, is absolutely amazing at not only helping you build this marketing automation hub, but it's also really, really good at reporting as well. It will track every single thing a customer does, actually integrates in with Shopify and other platforms, and will really, really allow you to see every single thing the customer is doing. So while I talk about using sophisticated products like Mixpanel or Kissmetrics or whatever, you know, a lot of these marketing automation tools, even ActiveCampaign, have pretty good analytics that will tell you what your customers are doing on your website. So uh, really, if you have the right automation suite, it's going to have most of that stuff built in. And what is UTM.AO? I know that you have some connection with that. Yeah, good question. So, you know, I've been in marketing for a really long time. I, I was the head of marketing at, at one of the most famous marketing analytics company out there. A big problem that people have is UTM tracking. So UTMs are going to be bits of code you add to your URL. So when somebody clicks on it, you know where they came from. The problem is, is that if you have one UTM campaign that's capitalized and one that's not, this in analytics is going to become two campaign codes. So it's really, really important to have good uh, UTM conventions and good UTM best practices. So we build a product called UTM.io, which is completely free. You can sign up for it, use it forever for free. And that is going to make it so that you and your team can make accurate campaign codes and not mess things up. So as you're doing promotion in emails or on social media or in your advertising campaigns, your campaign codes are always correct. They're always matching. So that way your data is nice and clean. So you know exactly why that customer converted or how they came to your website. So definitely recommend to check it out. We've talked about the different types of data acquisition. We've talked about um, kind of consolidating it with an appropriate hub or an appropriate you know tool to organize that thing. We've talked about analytics. Is there anything else that that we're kind of forgetting as we're doing a kind of a high level overview on marketing automation using technology. Is there anything else that we need yeah. to add in the last couple minutes that we have? 
Yeah, of course. You know, there's a lot of different technologies out there, right? There's 9,000 tools, they say. And another vendor just recently came out and said there's 16,000 different technologies out there for you to use to grow your business. The big thing that I would say is that it can be very overwhelming. And I recently wrote a book called Build Cool Shit. And the book is all about trying to distill down all of this noise and help you focus on the main hubs of your stack. So marketing automation, CRM, analytics, um, automation tools that will make your life better. So I'd love to give everybody an opportunity to get a free copy of my book. I'll ship it to you totally for free if you're in the United States. What I want you to do to get that copy is pull out your cell phone and I'm going to give you a number to text so that way you can do it. So the phone number you want to text is going to be 415-915-9011. Again, that number is 415-915-9011. If you text the word MarTech, so M-A-R-T-E-C-H, you'll actually be taken through our texting bot, which will collect your name, your email, and also your address. And we'll ship that book out to you completely automated using our marketing automation tool. Uh, so definitely check that out. We'd love to get you a free copy. And that book is really going to help you understand what are the tools you should be looking at and what are the tools you probably should be paying attention to. And it also has real world case studies in it on how we helped another business, an e-commerce company, um, actually grow their business with their stack. And I think this is cool, not just to pitch for something, but hey, it's a free book, but also... All of you that are listening, make sure to text that number and see what an automation system looks like. Like this is just a cool way to to see how these things are being implemented and used and and uh, kind of learn from some of the folks in the industry that pioneer this. So 415-915-9011 if you're in the U.S. And uh, just check out what Dan's got going on there. Some pretty cool stuff. I want to make sure if you're not in the U.S., you can still text that number. You just have to add the one. We just won't mail you a copy of the book. We'll send you a digital copy. So it, no matter oh, who okay. you are, you can still do it. Great. Um, good, good point there for all of our overseas listeners that we're feeling left out there. So, uh, anything else to add before we, uh, we wrap this thing up? No, at the end of the day, I just tell everybody, always try to build cool shit, always try to do something really cool and have fun while doing it. So, yeah. Awesome. Great way to end. If you guys have liked this episode or found anything valuable on this, make sure to reach out to Dan, make sure to check out, uh, utm.ao check out his book and uh, get a free copy of it if you want to and make sure to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on and we'll see all of you on the next episode. Thanks for coming, Dan.